Joseph. I've got some Sunday school books up here for you. We're going to be in Genesis again, Genesis chapter 43, Genesis chapter 44. We'll be in lesson number 7. And maybe you've got a Bible memory verse you want to try out on us this morning. All right, Joyce. She gave me a whole month's worth. That'll work. Anybody else? All right. Well, uh, Ronald, if you'll hand these out to all the the deservers, and uh, appreciate doing that. Still some goodies in there, Lindors and whatnot. Uh, we're going to be <coughs> on page 29. <coughs> and if you need a book, wave at me, and I'll get you one. I think everybody has probably had access to a book already. But uh, we'll start on page 29, lesson number 7. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? Are you ready to cry, uncle? Um, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, and say with such as be of a contrite spirit. So on page 29, when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt, they had no idea that the person in charge of everything was Joseph did not reveal himself to them at that time. Joseph had kept Simeon with him and asked the brothers to go back to the land of Canaan and bring their youngest brother to Egypt. They said, we're brothers. We've got one young brother at home. He said, well, I don't believe you're brothers. I think you're spies. Let me see that young brother. Of course, he wants to see if he's really alive. They said, our other brother is dead, or he's not. He doesn't exist anymore. Of course, they're talking about him. So they bring back Benjamin in this story here. And uh, they bring their youngest brother back to Egypt uh, from home. He'd never seen Benjamin yet for all those years. They could not come back for food unless they brought Benjamin with them. And, of course, Dad, Jacob, did not want them to take Benjamin. He, he didn't trust them. Uh, they, they lost or allowed Joseph to die. Uh, he was suspicious about them, I think, for that. He was afraid he'd never see Benjamin again. But after much persuasion, they were able to ask Benjamin to take Jacob to, from Benjamin. Excuse me, let me, let me try that again. They were able to take Benjamin from Jacob and bring him to Egypt. And you know who it was that finally talked uh, Jacob into it? It was Judah. In Genesis 43, uh, verse 8, I'll just start in verse 8. And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me 
and we'll arise and go that we may live and not die both we and thou and also our little ones I will be surety for him of my hand shalt thou require him if I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee then let me bear the blame forever for except we had lingered surely now we had returned the second time now earlier Reuben the oldest the actual oldest son Reuben not not the one that really uh, amounted to a whole lot but Reuben the oldest son when they came back the first time and, and, they, and Jacob found out that we can't get any more food unless we bring Benjamin with and uh, Jacob said absolutely not and Reuben said well if we don't come back with Benjamin if we take Benjamin and don't come back take my two sons and kill them well or what good is that to me I'm going to you lose one of my grandsons, so I'm going to kill two more. But this is different. Judah said, I will be responsible. You, you take my life, my, my life. I, I, will, I will bear the blame forever. It will be on me. That was different. And this was special, especially different coming from Judah, who was not usually like this, to take that kind of responsibility and that kind of unselfish action. So in chapter 43, Joseph prepared a feast. When they came again, of course, Joseph was absolutely overjoyed to see them, especially to see the young man Benjamin, his brother, his full-blooded brother. And it says in verse 29 of chapter 43, he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And it said in verse 30, he made haste. In other words, he had to, he had to leave quickly because his bowels did yearn upon his brother. His, his emotions, his inside started to shake. He, thought, he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. He cried in his privacy of his own room, uh, and then washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, set on bread, got a, got a hold of himself so that he wouldn't reveal the secret. And then they set on bread for everyone. They prepared a meal for them. And uh, the Hebrews were not allowed to eat with the Egyptians, and so Joseph sat by himself. And uh, the other he Egyptians sat by themselves, and these Hebrews, these 11 guys, all sat at the table. Verse 33, and they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, that would have been Reuben, and the youngest according to his youth, that would have been Benjamin. And the men marveled one another because they had him in perfect order. How would they know how old they are? How would they be able to have perfect order as to who sat next to who in line of their age? Verse 34, and he took and, and sent messes unto them from before him. He, he sent individual plates of food to each one, but Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. Well, that's interesting. But they shrugged their shoulders, and they just enjoyed their food. So it's interesting to me because I really think that Genesis 43, I think Joseph wanted to tell them who he was, and he was starting to give them hints, you know, uh, the meal was kind of a big hint. How does he? How does this guy know how old we are, and why is Benjamin more special than the rest of us? Anyhow, um, God was still working, though, particularly in the heart of Judah. And God wouldn't allow Joseph to reveal himself at that time. God had one more step for Judah to accomplish before he could be revealed, and maybe Joseph understood that too. But I, I think he was very tempted to reveal himself. He's already getting closer to them, eating with them in the same room. Uh, and uh, so God's still working, particularly in the heart of Judah. And God dealt with him in such a way that until he finally said, that's enough. I, I, I'm crying, uncle. Lord, I surrender. And we're going to see that in chapter 44. So in chapter 44, verse 1, 
after they had this wonderful meal, and it was kind of strange because of the way it happened, he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And all the money they brought to pay for the food, return it to them. But don't tell them, just put it in the, in the mouth of the sack. In the top of the sack, just bury their money down inside the grain, tie the sack back up. And put my cup, the silver cup, my special cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest one, and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And as soon as the morning was light, and the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city, and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this, is not this in which my, my Lord drinketh? And whereby indeed he divineth, ye have done evil in so doing. You've taken his cup. And he overtook them, and spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord, these words, God forbid that thy servant should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks' mouths, we bought, brought again unto thee and of the land of Canaan, because they did before they returned their money. How then should we steal out of my Lord's house silver and gold? We we wouldn't have stole his silver cup. We we returned the money that you gave us the first time. There's no way we'd have stolen anything. Verse nine. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both. Let him die, and also we will be thy Lord's bondsmen. And he said, Now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and opened every man his sack. And he searched and began at the eldest. And they opened the sack. Oh, boy, there's our money again. Reuben's sacks open. The next one's lines open. Levi, Simeon, Judah. Open all those. Oh, good grief. There's our money again. And then as they're getting towards the end of the line, it gets to be Benjamin's sack. And you can just see everybody's face go white as they realize, what if the, what if the silver cup's in his sack? Oh, no. Sure, sure enough, they open up the youngest guy's sack, and not only is his money in there, but there's the silver cup. So, got to find where we were. Verse 12, and he searched, began at the eldest, and let, left to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Verse 13, and then they rent their clothes. I'm sure they yelled, cried, and agonized. I'm sure Benjamin was scared half to death, let alone everyone else. And by the way, who was it that pledged his own life for Benjamin? Judah. Then they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. They said, if you remember, they said, whoever's got the cup, you kill him and then make us your servants. Now what? Now Benjamin is is guilty. So, verse 14, And Judah, notice the leader here, And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? I have the ability to divine. I know what goes on. Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and his also with whom the cup is found. He's trying to soften and soften the whole penalty here. Take Just take all of us, and we'll be your servants. Verse 17, he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Now, why did Joseph do this? 
why did Joseph say, no, no, just the one who took the cup, that's who I'm going to keep. The rest of you can go home. Why do you think Joseph did that? To find out if, oh, sure, you can keep him, right? Uh, you did that to me 20-some years ago. I'll find out if you're willing to leave Benjamin behind. No, go ahead. You, ten of you can go back. I'll just take the one that has the silver cup. That's the only one that deserves to stay. That would have been the that would have been the cue for them to say, "Oh, okay, sorry, Ben." But he was testing them. Verse eighteen. Then Judah came near unto him, near to Joseph, and said, "Oh, my lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against this ser thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh." You are as powerful as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servant, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the, young, the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, you know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, Judah's looking right at Joseph, when I go back home to my dad, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he'll die. Thy servant shall bring down great thy gray hairs of my father, my thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. Judah said, If we go back without him, he will kill him. And then verse thirty two, Judah said this For thy servant, me, became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore, I pray thee, sir, please, you're as powerful as Pharaoh. Let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my lord. Let let me stay and let him go back. Let the lad go back up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. That's what they've been waiting for. That's it. That's that is where Judah and notice back there early in the chapter it was Judah and his brothers that fell down before him verse 14 Judah is leader here he has become leader of the family he's not the oldest but he is the leader he was naturally the leader it was Judah's idea if you go back to chapter 37 and we're going to see this I'm getting ahead of myself if you go back to chapter 37 it was Judah's idea to sell him to begin with it was Judah's idea possibly to kill him at first, but then said, no, let's sell him as a slave, which in some ways might have been worse than death had things not gone in God's protection. 
So we see here that Judah is finally softening his heart and recognizing that it is his responsibility and he's willing to surrender himself for the life of his little half-brother Benjamin. And the box here at the bottom of our page says, God cannot bless us until he makes us ready to receive what he has for us. And Judah had come to his wits end. He says there in verse 14, 15, and 16, God has found us out. This has happened to us because of what we did a couple decades ago. God has found us out. I've had enough. And he's surrendering to the Lord. Now, it's a beautiful thing that Joseph did not reveal himself at the banquet in chapter 43. Because if he had, we'd have never got this confession out of Judith in chapter 44. And so it's a blessing that, that things happened the way they did and that the timing was what it was. And so don't hurry things along because it could be that God's waiting on something else. God needed Judah to confess and to change his heart and have a, a, a repentant spirit and a surrendered heart, willing to give up his own life, basically going to be a prisoner in Egypt for the rest of his life so that Benjamin can go home free. You know, it says here again in verse 14, 15, and 16, Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him. Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? Verse 16, God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Many times people say, I don't know why this is happening. The truth is, a lot of times we do know why this is happening. When there's something going on, and, and we realize that way back when, the Bible says you reap what you sow. Now, it's a blessing when God has mercy and doesn't allow us to have to reap some of the things we've sown. But the fact is, the law the law of nature is you reap what you sow. And there in verse 16, Judah is saying, God's found us out. This is so bizarre. This is so crazy. God is, has found us out, and this is happening to us because of a reason that all ten of us know. Little Benjamin here doesn't have a clue what's happening here, but the ten of us know why this is happening. We know why this is happening. We know. So, we got four points today, page 30. God deals with individuals. God was dealing with all of Jacob's sons, but in a special way, he was dealing with this man, Judah, because God was going to do something out of the ordinary with him. Look with me and keep your finger there in chapter 44. Go up with me in chapter 49, and then we're going to go to first, or, yeah, first Chronicles 5 chapter 44 we go up to chapter 49 and verse 10 the scepter this is Jacob prophesying of his 12 sons and Jacob says of Judah verse 8 Judah thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies thy father's children shall bow down before thee Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey my son thou art gone up he stooped down he couched as a lion as an old lion who shall rouse him up the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh is another name of Jesus Christ. Judah was the lineage, it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Judah's lineage was the lineage of David, the king, and Solomon. The kings came out of the tribe of Judah, and Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah. Matthew chapter 1 proves that. But before we get there, we go to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 5. It's interesting here how the, the 12 sons were split into two sections. 1 Chronicles 5 and verse 1. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn. 
and Reuben should have, have been the one to have had the birthright, but Reuben lost that. For he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his, fa his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not reckoned after the birthright. And so Joseph was given the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him became the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. And so Judah, the scepter, was in Judah's line, but the birthright technically was through the line of Joseph. Interesting, that's prophetic. But then we go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, and we see also in Revelation chapter 5, the last book of the Bible, it says concerning Jesus, Revelation 5, 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion, capital L, of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So Jesus is of the tribe of Judah, the lion, the root of David. And so Judah being the, the uh, patriarch of this lineage, God had to do some things in Judah's life. Because up until then, up until th this point in Genesis 44, Judah was known as just a scoundrel, a selfish person. Genesis 37 is where the story of Joseph starts. Genesis 37 is where we find Judah saying, let's sell him. Let's not kill him. We won't make any money off of him if we kill him. Since he's our brother, let's sell him, and then we can make some money off of him. So we sell him into Egypt as a slave. Who cares? We'll never see him again. And then chapter 38 is a weird chapter. It's like an R-rated chapter. It's a gross chapter. And you know who it's about? It's about Judah. Judah is a messed up dude. And and it's like 37 is about Joseph, 39 is all about Joseph, 40 is about Joseph, and 38 you got this weird chapter. I'll tell you why it's in there. To show us just what a raunchy guy Judah is. It got so bad that Judah's sons were such a, such a w wicked young man that God slew them. God literally killed his sons. And so he had married his oldest son to this woman and then God killed the oldest son so he had the second oldest son married to this woman God killed that son and so then he tells the woman will you just wait around until my youngest son's old enough to marry you and I'll, I'll let him marry you that was just the custom back then but it never happened so then she went and played the harlot on purpose played as a whore and dressed up and wrapped her face up as a harlot and stood out there and sat by a place where she knew Judah would come by and she allowed Judah to come in unto her and he had actually procreated his own grandsons through his daughter-in-law. It's a gross story. And it's almost as if God's allowing us to see just what a rotten guy this was. He had no idea that he'd even done that, but he did. Because of his own lack of morals and wickedness in his life. And so we see this very low part about Judah. And now we're seeing how the, obviously this same man Judah, who was very just not very respectful is later now doing something very respectable and very honorable and pledging his own life for little Benjamin his half brother now we know Judah's the one that sold the other brother but he's not willing to let Benjamin stay behind he's willing to trade his life for Benjamin God deals with individuals so Judah would form the tribe from which the promised Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come. When God is going to do a work, he begins that work by working in the heart of one of human beings. God works in the hearts and lives of individuals. And so he's working on us individually. Everybody in this room, he's working on our hearts individually. 
And then, secondly, God's ways are not our ways. We see also in this story that God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I do things differently than the way you do them. There's going to be times when we know that what God is going to do, but we marvel to see how he gets it done. It's amazing how God fulfills his promises. You know, when God says, I'm going to do this, we all assume it's going to be just a clear, direct route, and he doesn't do it that way. He does it in the most uh, unusual ways of all ways he could possibly do it to get things done. You know, when he said that he would send a deliverer and the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, they never expected the Messiah to, to be of this poor uh, family and would actually be born in a manger in Bethlehem. They never expected that, and uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't comprehend uh, Jesus coming from this poor family from Nazareth. They, in fact, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But that's just the way God does it. When he picked David to be king, David was just a shepherd boy, but he happened to be of the tribe of Judah. God does things a little unusual on purpose, and that's so that he gets the gl glory and the credit. And so who would have ever thought that God could use Judah? He was the one in Genesis 37, verse 26 and 27, who suggested that they sell Joseph in the first place. And he is the one in chapter 38 who mistook his own daughter-in-law for a harlot. And in spite of his past, God worked in his life and used his tribe to bring forth the Messiah. Some people think, how can God ever do anything with my life? God is able. And you know why you got to understand? you, you got to understand why chapter 38 is in the Bible just to encourage all of us that God still can use you. I mean, if you plugged in your name for Judah in chapter 38 and you told that story, you'd be embarrassed. I mean, we'd all be embarrassed. But it's there for all the world to read for one reason, to prove that God wants to show how that he can change individuals' hearts. Yes, Judah, 25, 30 years ago, was a rotten scoundrel, and this is the kind of garbage he was living in. But God's worked on his heart. All these years that Joseph's been a slave in Egypt, God's been working on Judah's heart. And he's probably laid awake at night wondering, whatever happened to Joseph? The brother I sold. And probably the brokenness. How do I, how do I fix this? What, what good would it do me to tell my dad about it now? It's not going to bring Joseph back. And probably just agonized over it, as, as the other brothers did. God's ways are not our ways. He works with individuals, and the way he does it is not the way we would do it. And then, top of page 31, God desires to bring us to the place of surrender. In chapter 44, Judah is now a broken man. What can I say? We've been found out. We, we're guilty. God's, God's found the iniquity of our servants. We're, what can we say? We're done. Remember chapter 43, verse 8 and 9. Judah said to Jacob, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will rise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones, and I will be surety for him, Father. I will be assurance for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. And now I can't even keep my promise to my dad, because you're going to keep Benjamin set us all free and so in chapter 44 and verse 14 he falls on his face completely broken remember Judah's one of those brothers that laughed at him oh yeah you had a dream that you're going to bow we're all going to bow down to you ha 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 you you haughty proud dreamer you 
Now look at them. They're all bowed down, including Benjamin, all bowed down in front of him, scared to death. God desires to bring us to a place of surrender. The Lord's not going to force us, but he wants us to yield to him. He wants us to say, that's enough, Lord. I surrender to you. I cry, Uncle. God, I can't take it anymore. And this is why God didn't allow Joseph to reveal to him. I think, I really do. I think Joseph had it in his heart to have a banquet and to say, guys, it's me. But something changed. And it's so good that it did because we'd have never got this beautiful part of the story where Judah comes to him and says, it'll kill my dad if you, it'll kill my dad if you let us go back without him. Let me stay and you let Benjamin go back, please. <laughs> and Joseph's standing there. This is the same guy that was willing to sell me. Now saying he's willing to be a slave here forever. My brother's changed. My brother's heart has changed. He's repented. He's sorry for what he's done. God's always dealing with us and speaking to us to bring us to the place of surrender. It's a beautiful, sweet, and wonderful thing when you find out that somebody that you've always had a problem with, God's heart has, has God's changed their heart and probably changed your heart. Wow, what a beautiful thing. Our hearts are changed. We're not the same person we used to be. What a blessing. What a beautiful thing. So, our lives affect others. He works on us individually because he knows that individually we'll, we'll have an, an influence on someone else. And the way he does it is so different than the way we would do it. But his, his ultimate goal is to just get us to surrender. Psalm says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. The memory verse, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and say with such as be of a contrite spirit. When when God allows your problems to mount up and breaks your heart, it's a good thing. These men were frustrated. They ripped their clothes. Why is this happening to us? Oh, yeah, I know why it's happening. And their hearts were broken. Why did we ever do this to our brother so many years ago? What was the foolish thinking that caused us to do that? And they were broken hearts. Our lives affect others. Last point. We learn also in this story that our lives affect others. Notice the passionate plea that Judah made to Joseph on his brother's behalf. He's begging now for Benjamin to be spared. He's truly sorry that Benjamin's going to have to stay. He knows it's going to break his father's heart if he says, keep me and take the boy home. My father will die if Benjamin doesn't come back. This was not the same man who lied to his, his father about Joseph and broke his father's heart. Hey, Dad, we found this coat all ripped up and shredded and blood all over it. Think it might be Joseph's? Huh, bummer. That's the, that's the Judah from 25, 30 years ago. Different Judah now. Now he couldn't bear to go back and tell Dad of another dead son. probably that day when they saw their dad weeping and crying and absolutely sh shattered they realized what they had done but how could they fix it and to go back and to tell him that now Benjamin's gone too and how's he going to believe us that we didn't do this one too like Judah we need to realize that our actions do affect others and others are hurt by our stubbornness and selfishness
probably the worst thing about our our sin is that we can't undo it and we can't we can't unwound people right we can't unwound people and it just agonizes all of us to know that we we hurt others and we we influence but you know what just like we can negatively influence someone we can positively there is a way for healing and that's when we show that we are totally repentant and broken over what's been done others are hurt by our stubbornness and selfishness God's able to change people's lives though because as you all know already it's about to get real good it's about to get real awesome and a whole bunch of healing is about to start and a whole bunch of forgiving is about to start and a boy who was dead is going to come back to life, so to speak. And there's going to be a little awkward explanation. Joseph's not dead. He's alive. He's in Egypt. And that ripped up coat with the blood all over it? <laughs> we fake that. Which he probably already knows. But he doesn't know he's alive. And how awesome it is to see the healing, the forgiveness and the healing. Our lives do affect others. And we can't go around and try to chase down everything we've done to other people because we can't even remember it all or realize it all. We don't even realize it sometimes. But when God brings it to our attention, we got to confess it and forsake it. You know, sometimes gossip, it, it, it seems like it's just something between a couple of us, you know. But man, gossip usually hurts a lot of people or it hurts someone a lot more than we think it would hurt. I'm reminded of some boys that that made up a horrible story about a, a preacher in town and their local parson, whatever he was, and made up these horrible lies about him. And people were believing it until finally it all got settled and the truth came out. And those young men were ashamed of themselves and they went and talked to the preacher and the preacher said, boys, I'm really, I'm really sorry this happened caused a lot of pain and, but I, I don't hate you I'm not, I'm not angry with you, I've forgiven you but I want you to come with me and he, he grabbed a, a feather pillow and they went up to the top of a hill outside of where they lived and the breeze was blowing and he ripped open that pillow and then he shook all the feathers he said now boys I want you to spend the rest of the day finding all the feathers they said, we can't. We'll do your best. Well, we'll try, but they're just everywhere. They're all over the entire town. He said, yeah. You'll probably never get them all back in. And that's the way gossip is. You never get all of it back. But once it's scattered, it just spreads. And we, we hurt our, our, ourselves when we hurt other people. We, we, we hurt, and, and so the, kind of the funny thing about it is they hurt Joseph only to find out he's sitting on a throne living a, li a life of luxury and they've been pining away in misery and guilt and agony <laughs> that's kind of the funny part about it is is that Joseph wasn't near as hurt as they were in the end of course they hurt their father but we hurt others by our stubbornness and selfishness but we hurt ourselves and so the best thing we can do is let God work on us individually and break our hearts and break down our pride and cause us to be different from the inside out and that's what's happened here I've had enough Judah says I've had enough I'm not going to do this again 
I'm not going to cut and run and leave Benjamin to die. I'm not doing it again. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity for us to study one more lesson and to see where you would have us to finally break and to submit and to bow the knee and to fall on our faces humbly. And that we would that we would just allow you to change us and, and to break that, bro- that hard heart into a broken heart something that you can use, something you won't despise. Help us to be that. Help us to be willing to admit we're probably as rotten as Judah. We're probably just as guilty of some shameful things as Judah. But help us to be different people, to be broken, to be soft, to be contrite, to be tender, to be forgiving and loving. Help us to be that, we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you.